You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers. No. Are you crazy? Listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packers Podcast Network. My name is JJ Leahy, long time no see, unless you've been tuning into the Packard at Derailed live stream. That's every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Lambo time. That's uh, me, Ryan, and Jake. And it's a pretty darn good time. Matt Ramage has dropped in a few times recently. We are, uh, I should say, I am doing a 49ers preview uh, because, let's face it, <laughs> this is a tough challenge. And I did a bunch of work on this game and I thought, hey, you know, I put it out on uh, the old Twitter machine for people there to enjoy just in a text form. But there's a bunch of people who are not on Twitter who still listen to this podcast. And I thought, you know what? This work that I put in should not go uh, to waste. So, on paper, San Francisco has to be favored. Uh, they should be favored by at least two points. And I want to walk through a few things here. One, I want to walk through mm, score prediction, like how how I arrive at that. And we're also going to go through just some of the uh, positions and uh, little things I've noticed as I've been, you know, using all the most filtered views of PFF that I can t- <laughs> to see, like, hey, what are some trends here that we actually could try and exploit? And the good news is, like, you can beat the 49ers, obviously. Um, there is a path to victory here. It's tough though. If the Packers pull this off, you should feel very proud of them. Okay. First, let's talk about the score. So Ryan and I have worked on a model that takes how many points you score and how many points get scored against you. And it takes your offensive and defensive DVOA and it multiplies that by those scores that, uh, that you give up and allow. And it does the same thing for your opponent. So what you have are eight numbers. It's points, you know, average points scored for and against the away team, for and against the home team, uh, adjusted. Offensive DVOA and adjusted defensive DVOA for the home and the away team. And so what that does then is it tries to take what you have done against opponents and then remove from that baked in equation how good your opponents were. All right. In other words, if you score 40 on the Bears, I guess I shouldn't use the Bears. Who's who's like objectively like a, a terrible defense? Okay, if you score 40 on the Giants 
that is not as impressive as scoring 40 on the Cowboys. <clears throat> I think that's pretty basically understood for everybody listening. You understand where I'm coming from. But now you know for sure. Okay. And so using this, we can estimate on paper, you know, any given Sunday, how many points the Packers should be expected to score against the 49ers defense, how many points the 49ers should be expected to score against the Packers defense. And then it's, it also goes another step further because then it also, it doesn't just take the 49ers offense against the Packers defense. It also just takes the, the Packers defense against the 49ers offense. And that is actually a different uh, number, but they're close. And so then we average between those. So the other thing you got to bake in here is what numbers do you want to use? Do you want to use your average points scored on the whole season? Do you want to use just recent games? Do you want to factor in home versus away? And so doing those, it, th- those will change the the point spreads for sure. The other thing is that there's another model similar to DVOA called Dave. And uh, Ryan reached out to uh, one of the guys who I think is like an author of DVOA. And that dude was like, hey, you know, if you're if you're trying to do this process, then you want this Dave model instead of the DVOA model. So so we also have that built in there. So we got. We've got quite a few different ranges of outcomes you can spit in here. <clears throat> I ended up taking, um, it's roughly like the last eight games for the Packers and the last six games for the 49ers. Why? Well, because there are some pretty clear cutoffs for both teams at that point. So uh, one of the cutoffs here is that it happens to be games played in December and January. And the Niners have not played as many games. Um, so the other thing is that, so the, the last like truly dominant performance across the board from the 49ers was week 13 against the Eagles. They smashed the Eagles 42 to 19. Now they did go on to win their next two games against the Seahawks and the Cardinals. And both of those performances were pretty, uh, impressive. But it wasn't the same, like, top-to-bottom kind of flawless across the board. The offense was still really good against both of those teams. The defense just, like, started crapping the bed. Uh, against the Seahawks, they did have a good pass rush grade, but that was it. Everything else was bad. Against the Cardinals, uh coverage was good, and everything else was terrible. So... I thought that that was interesting because then those trends kind of just continued. They did end up losing their next game to the Baltimore Ravens, 19 to 33. And in that game, the defense got a tiny bit better, um, against the run and tackling. Um, I should say they got much better against the run and tackling, but overall their defense was only marginally improved. And that's because the coverage fell off. So against the Cardinals, they had a 78 coverage grade against the Seahawks. They had a 68 coverage grade against the Ravens. They had a 39 coverage grade. Uh, and then the offense also just crapped the bet 54 overall offensive grade. They only put up 19 points against the commanders. We have to remember just God awful, awful trash team. The commanders, 
They whooped them 27 to 10. Offense got back on rhythm again. Uh, an 82 passing grade from Brock Purdy. The run blocking was phenomenal, which is an important thing we're going to talk about in a little bit. And then the defense kind of found itself again. Uh, run defense was bad, but tackling was good. Coverage was elite. Um, and then the pass rush was bad. And then they played against the Rams, and that's an interesting game because they benched a lot of starters. Like they didn't have Cooper Cup or Brock, or sorry, the, um, uh, uh, who did the bet? 49ers benched. 49ers benched Brock Purdy. That might have been it. And then the Rams benched Aaron Donald and Cooper Cup. I think Matt Stafford too. I, yeah, that was Matt Stafford. Okay. So, so that's just kind of a weird game to throw in there. And you got to remember, of course, you know, Brock Purdy didn't play in week 18 and then he didn't play in week 19 because nobody played in week 19. So he might be better since he's had a chance to really rest up or he might be a little rusty. I'm inclined to think he's going to be better. But, you know, if you're looking for, hey, we got our column of things that could swing the Packers away or could swing the 49ers away, throw that into the column. Could go either way. Coin toss. And this game is really going to come down to, like, a bunch of coin tosses. <laughs> and just, like, on paper, if you expect 50% of them to break for the Niners and 50% to break for the Packers, then it should be a Niners win. But if you get a few things going the Packers' way, and we're already getting some reports that some of those are, which is exciting, then you got to be more excited about the the Packers' chances. So let's look at the other variable here, and that is... Well, I guess I should do the uh, the Packers. So why did I do the, do the Packers cut off there? So their streak goes from week – I think I did from week 13. So this does not include the Lions game. But it's the Chiefs, the Giants and Buccaneers. you got to remember, bad games for us. Panthers, also actually a bad game for us. Like, I know, like, you remember it being a bad game. It was worse than you remember. The only – really positive grade we had anywhere. We had a 72 passing grade, an 80 running grade. The run blocking was 39. Pass blocking was 52. Receiving was just a 65. Overall defense was a 55. The only positive grade that wasn't in like the 40s or mid-50s, you had a 69 pass rush grade. So that's it. Like it was a bad game for us. So you really you have a three-game bad stretch for the Packers in there, but you got the Chiefs game, Vikings, Bears, and Cowboys. <clears throat> and I felt like I guess I did throw the Lions, the Lions game in there as well, but it does not include the Chargers game. So using that stretch, um there's one game that I circled, and that's the Bears game. So the Chicago Bears game, we scored 17 points and gave up nine. But there's 14 missing points in that Chicago Bears game. So there's a missed field goal. There's also two dropped uh, touchdowns, and then there was a field goal attempt that was missing because of the uh, little weird thing at the end of the first half. So as I am evaluating, like, how good is the offense for the Packers, you have to decide whether you want to include those 14 missing points or not. And I think it's relevant. Because the Packers are not going to beat the 49ers, 
if the mistake prone version of the Packers shows up, like why are we even talking about this? If the bad version of the Packers offense is going to show up, right? If you got the, the mental mistakes and the uh, missed field goals and all that, like you're not going to beat them if you're not playing your best game. So I don't really want to compare like the worst version of the Packers to the 49ers. Cause that's, you're not going to win that. I can just tell you right now, like the outcome of that game is going to be an L. If you get the best version of the Packers and that's really what you're trying to answer is like, Hey, can the best version of the Packers, which we've seen for several weeks in a row now, can they show up against the 49ers? Well, then the question is, well, if they do show up, is that enough? So that's why I did go ahead and add in the 14 points to that Bears game. So that would be a 31 to 9 Bears game. But I wanted to lay that disclaimer out there. All right. We're talking about the good version of the Packers. And nothing else matters if the good version of the Packers don't show up. Right? We're on the same page? Okay. Having said all that, I came up with a few different score predictions. And any way you slice it, on paper, the Packers should be expected to score between 25 and 27 points. And the 49ers should be expected to score basically exactly 31 points. So that's close enough for me that I've got some excitement. Right. This is like, here's what it is on paper is that you would expect on an average day for this Packers offense and Packers defense and an average day for this Niners offense and defense that the score would be approximately 26 to 31 right in that range. And dude, that is close enough for me. (laughs) It's the playoff. It's going to come down probably to which team is going to have some of their players step up and make some big-time plays when it matters the most. And if you're telling me it's less than a touchdown, and it's really like almost within range of like a field goal deciding this game, dude, I will take that every time. I mean, this is a really good 49ers team, and the Packers on the season have been very questionable. If you are wondering what this score prediction would look like if you just took the entirety of the Packers season and the entirety of the 49ers season. All of a sudden, that 9.5 point betting line that Vegas puts up looks exactly right. I've got San Francisco as 8.68 point favorites and 8.92 point favorites if you use the entire season. If you use home and away, which is wild. This is wild. If you use home and away, and I think that this is largely because of the Cowboys game being on the road. That's my my uh, theory. All of a sudden, the Packers are one uh, half a point favorites. Just it's completely unexpected. If you use the just the last three games that each team played, ah, hmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. 
Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. And this is using the actual points scored, so we're missing 14 points from that Bears game. Then it's San Francisco uh, as 2.7 point favorites. So, like I said, I will take this, you know, four point spread here that we've got, um, using just these, you know, the, the last month and a half of games and throwing in those extra 14 points for the Bears game to say, like, hey, we're trying to assess the version of the Packers that didn't miss those 14 points because, again, if you're going to make those kind of mistakes against the 49ers, you're not going to win anyway. So I'll take this. This is a puncher's chance. Um, it makes me excited <laughs> for sure. Uh, but the 49ers, you got to give them respect and credit. Like, like this is a really good team. Uh, the Packers are going to have to play lights out if they want to win this game. So let's look at some of my findings uh, along the roster. So I think that where you have to start actually has to be with the the rushing games. Because both of these teams recently have been pretty terrible against the run. The 49ers have not had a good run defense game since... Let me click back to the 49ers. That was the Packers. The last time they had a good run defense game, really, was that Eagles game. They had... Baltimore Ravens game, they get, they had a 72.8 run defense grade, which is pretty darn good, but that came at the expense of a 39.2 coverage game. And if you are going to tee off on the run as much as the 49ers did against the Ravens, Jordan Love and this receiving core are going to tear you to shreds. And I think that they probably learned that lesson from this Ravens game, given how they played the next two games. So, you know, with that being the only game that they have given up or that they've had a a halfway respectable run defense grade since November, uh, you got to feel good about that. The against the Eagles game, they only had a 77.8 run defense grade. And you might be thinking only, why are you saying only? Well, because the week before, uh, which was mid November, Against the Seahawks, they had an 88.8. Previously to that, they had an 81.5, 84.3, few mediocre games, 90.3 run defense grade, mediocre game, 90.7, 73.6, 88.2. So you can see now why I'm classifying that 77.8 against the Eagles as like only a 77.8. But it's been downhill since then. They've been pretty bad against the run. And let's talk about expectations for this game in run defense. One of the big issues that the 49ers are going to face is that Cleland Farrell has been ruled out for this game. He's the starter. Now they do have Chase Young and they also have Randy Gregory. Both of those were in season acquisitions and Nick Bosa 
was asked about those. Where's my quote on that? Nick Bosa. He said he's talking about uh, the defensive line and what it's going to mean to not have Cleveland for all. Quote, it's about understanding the aiming points and all the stuff that our defensive line coach preaches, and it's tough to come in and get it right. Randy and Chase are still learning. They're going to have to learn quick on the run to be ready to feel to fill Cleveland's shoes. Uh, simply put, the 49ers really like uh, Cleveland's solid grasp of what he's expected to do in run defense. And he's been banged up. He is ruled out for this game. I think that's a big deal. Not to say that they don't have talented run defenders on that defensive line. I mean, Nick freaking Bosa is there. Uh, Eric Armstead is a big deal. And uh, who's the guy next to him? It's uh, oh, dang it. Eric Armstead and... I can't remember the guy's name, Eric and Javon Hargrave from the Eagles. Those two guys are there. They're no joke, but this unit has been bad at defending the run for a month and a half. And now they're for sure missing the guy that they have said is a key component of stopping the run game. Um, But the Packers are also bad at stopping the run. I don't have to tell you that. So I think that both teams are going to be able to run with ease and it's going to be up to the Packers offense to force the Niners to play catch up. Cause if you can, if you give the Niners an inch and you let them sit in a position where they feel like, Hey, we can run this cause we don't need to play catch up like in desperation mode. Right. Like Christian McCaffrey's going to tear you alive. Uh, rushing grades for the Niners have basically been great. Um, they've had four games in a row of subpar rushing. The run blocking has been fantastic during that time span. Like against the Cardinals, you had a 90.5 run blocking grade, but only a 66.2 rushing grade. And that ain't great. Run blocking grade against the Rams, 70. Pretty darn good. The rushing grade is a 69.6, but again, you know, I'm, I'm highlighting this stretch of four games here of, of rushing grades that are in the mid to high sixties. And you're thinking, Oh, you know, mid to high sixties is pretty good. Okay. But they were almost a 90 every week. You get a three game stretch from Seattle, Philly, and then Seattle again of an 83, 88 and 85 rushing grade. All right. So yeah, nothing you know, sixty-nine rushing grade is nothing to sneeze at, but it's a twenty point drop off. We're looking for weaknesses. We found some weaknesses here. <laughs> uh Christian McCaffrey has not quite been himself. He had a six game streak of being like truly dominant from week eight to week fourteen. And then if you're willing to accept a mediocre grade in week seven. That actually then extends his uh, his good streak all the way basically till week three. Week three through week 14, he's been borderline fantastic every week with the exception of the Vikings game. But I do think that they're going to be able to run with ease. And so you need them to be playing catch-up the way that the Cowboys are playing catch-up, right? So it, it really is going to come down to what this Packers offense can do against the defense. And I really don't have very... 
much in the way of notes other than this about the 49ers offense because they're they're fantastic. They just are. It's a fantastic offense. The best the Packers defense can hope for is slow them down enough that a white hot Packers offense that is not making mistakes can build up a, you know, maybe a two touchdown lead and then keep the Niners offensively just chasing them the whole game. That should take them out of those those uh, advantageous rushing situations. And that really does uh, give you your best chance defensively for winning. So, you know, slow them down early. And then, you know, if you could hold them to a field goal here, force up, you know, one or two punts in the game, I think that's about the most that the Packers offense can ask of the Packers defense. So it really is going to come down to can the Packers offense show up and keep those legs churning the entire game and and just throw up a, a blizzard of points. The Niners have not lost close games. All of their, I mean, the, the closest losses they had were in week six and seven. I think this is when uh, Brock Purdy was out. They lost two games where they only scored 17 points. And then the next week against the Bengals, they again scored 17 points. So three games in a row, they scored 17 and they lost those games uh, by the defense allowing 19, 22, and 31 points. Right? Other than that, they haven't lost any close games when Brock Purdy is out there. And I don't think he was out there for that three-game stretch. So let's look at the Packer, or the, the 49ers defense because it's been rocky recently. Now, the biggest thing is going to be, I think, their coverage and the interior of that defensive line. Let's talk about coverage. They lately have been really up and down. Week 15 against the Cardinals, 78 coverage grade. Week 16 against the Ravens, 39 coverage grade. Week 17 against the Commanders, 88 coverage grade. Week 18 against the Rams, 52 coverage grade. So hot, cold, hot, cold. Then they took a week off, you know, maybe, maybe that week off, uh, would be their hot game. And now they're going to get another cold game against the Packers. I'm kidding, but it'd be nice. So, you know, hopefully you're catching the, uh, coverage on an off day. Uh, the interior of their defensive line concerns me because their pass rush has been good, not great. And I don't, at all trust our interior offensive line. I'll just put it that way. I like our tackles a heck of a lot more than I like our guards and center right now. Um, this past week, the only good grade for pass rush was Nick Bosa. Cleveland Furl did play and he was a 65. Javon Hargrave was a 63. Javon Kinlaw was a 57. Anybody else? Oh, Dre Greenlaw might be out for this game. He's officially listed as questionable. I suspect he will play. Randy Gregory, 52 pass rush grade. Chase Young, 48. So Cleveland Furl being out is a big deal. Uh, week before that, Nick Bosa, again, the highest graded pass rusher, only a 64 grade. So week 15, Nick Bosa had a 90. That's unfortunate. Uh, week 14, Nick Bosa was an 82. Chase Young was an 81. Javon Hargrave was a 71. So this was against Seattle. This is not the version of the defensive line that we want to go up against. I'll just say that. Um, 
So if you can protect the interior of the pocket, I think you have a better shot. A, a An offensive line collapsing from the interior is usually a death knell for an offense. Right. If you are giving up pressures from the tackles, I think that's something that Jordan Love can survive. If it's the interior, it makes me really nervous. And, you know, flipping the script around the other way, there's a, a clip going around of, or I guess just a quote, just, just a quote. Matt Schneidman tweeted it. Apparently, Devontae Wyatt told him in the locker room, uh, hey, you know, Brock Purdy is bad under pressure. And then I don't know what the heck Matt Schneidman's deal is. Whatever. I, I don't like him at all. But he he just went and looked at Brock Purdy's, you know, passing grades under pressure, and it was pretty darn good. And so he posts it like formatted as though like Devontae Wyatt is a moron, which I don't appreciate. Brock Purdy's uh passing when he is under pressure off the edge is pretty darn good. When he's pressured from the middle, it ain't so hot. Well, Devontae Wyatt is a freaking defensive tackle. What the heck do you think he was talking about? Do you think he's talking about edge pressure? Or do you think he's talking about interior pressure, which is, you know, his job? Screw you, Matt Schneiman. I hate you. But thanks for providing bulletin board material for the 49ers. Appreciate that one, bud. Whatever. I don't like Matt. Uh, let's talk about the receivers. So the big thing that you notice with the, uh, the San Francisco receiving core, which of course includes, um, Kittle and McCaffrey. The big thing that you notice is they're getting the ball to fewer guys than the Packers are. And, so you have more individual success and like, you know, stats. But at the same time, you see a much higher concentration of mistakes, especially recently. For example, uh interceptions thrown to this the, the group of the uh top 10 most targeted receivers for the Packers and 49ers combined. So this is, you know, in theory it would be five for the Niners, four or five for the Packers. It's really six Packers and four uh 49ers. Those four obviously are George Kittle, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, and Brandon Ayuk. Do you think that there's anybody who I am not including in there that should be included? I don't think so either. Of those guys when you're looking at interceptions thrown while targeting those receivers, it's six for the 49ers, one for the Packers. Ayuk has a fumble. Dobbs and Wicks each have a fumble. Uh, missed tackles forced. This is a, a huge area of disparity between the Packers and the 49ers. Who do you think it favors? It's the 49ers. Kittle, Debo, and Ayuk each have about two and a half to three times as many missed tackles forced as any of those top Packers have. So that's going to be a huge deal. Can the Packers defense tackle well? If you're missing tackles, it's going to be a long day. Uh, drops is a big deal. Um, you see many more drops for the 49ers than for the Packers. I lost my stinking numbers here. 
where's the drops? Um, I don't have my drops. Three for Debo Samuel. You got one each for Dobbs, Jones, Kittle, and Bo Melton. Uh, two for Brandon Ayuk. And, oh, Luke Musgrave is in here. I forgot he was in here. Where's the other guy? Where's the other, uh, 49er? Oh, McCaffrey has one drop. So the biggest thing here, obviously, is the Debo Samuel three drops. If he could drop a few passes, uh, on Saturday, that would be nice. Now, with contested catches, it's kind of interesting. Brandon Ayuk is three for four. Bo Melton is three for six. Jaden Reed is one for one. Wicks is two for three. Kittle is zero for six. Love to see that. Two of five for Tucker Craft. Three of six for Debo Samuel. One of two for Aaron Jones. Five of eight for Romeo Dobbs. What a stud. And that's it. Where's McCaffrey? McCaffrey is way down here on the list for some reason. Uh, one of one. I almost thought that this was, this Malik Heath was him. He's at one of three, but one of one for Christian McCaffrey. So the receiving group, I mean, you know who the Packers receivers are. And then the 49ers receivers are just really wicked with the ball in their hands. So tackling is going to be huge. It really is. Uh, let's finally look at the quarterbacks. And here's the big thing. They both have been elite. And they both have been elite in very different ways. Uh, Jordan Love has 18 big-time throws and six turnover-worthy plays. Brock Purdy has seven big-time throws and three turnover-worthy plays. So Jordan Love is taking many more risks than Brock Purdy is. He also is is converting at a higher rate on those. Brock Purdy has actually um, he, he's he's been elite and he's been a game manager, and he has suffered some bad luck despite that. He has five interceptions and only three turnover worthy plays. So two of those interceptions, I'm guessing, were pass deflections, um, possibly by his own receivers. I, I don't understand why those are counted against the quarterback when the receiver deflects a pass and then it gets intercepted. I think those should just go on the receiver's record. Uh, but Brock Brady's had a little bit of bad luck there. He has 12 total touchdowns. Jordan Love has 16. Uh, Brock Purdy is getting a ton of, of yards after the catch. His yards per attempt is 10.1, despite the fact that his uh, average depth of target is only 8.6. And then Jordan Love has a yards per attempt of eight and a nearly identical average depth of target, uh, about eight and a half. Now, adjusted completion percentage, both of them are in the high 70s. There's a bit of a uh, discrepancy, though, when you factor in throwaways and drops because they're just their straight up completion percentage. Jordan Love is about four points higher at 71.5 compared to 70 or 67.5. He's also thrown the ball twice as many times as Brock Purdy has. So Brock Purdy has been more efficient um, and he's been a game manager and it has been very successful. But he's had a little bit of bad luck with some of these turnovers. So, you know, shorthand for me would be Jordan Love is much more explosive and Brock Purdy is much more efficient. And I think that points to you really wanting a shootout. 
you really want a shootout. I think that that the Packers are going to be better in a shootout than the 49ers are. And the Packers are more reliant on the pass game and less reliant on the run game and and flip that around for the 49ers. So so a a shootout favors the Packers in that regard as well. You want the 49ers to have to pass a ton. The less that you allow them to run, the better for you. That is going to do it for my review, but I did want to point out Matt Barrows is a guy who writes for The Athletic, and he did some digging, and he found like a two-game sample size, which is not very big, but a two-game sample size indicating that Brock Purdy performs a lot worse in rain, and we are projected to have rain during this game. The downside that I see there is I don't know what this Packers receiving game does in the rain. So that's an unknown. So throw that in that column of like, hey, is this going to benefit the 49ers or the Packers? I think it's going to hurt the 49ers. I don't know if it's also going to hurt the Packers. So that could be an issue, especially if it's heavy rain and and wind. That could be problematic. Um, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. I, I, I think... I have a lot of confidence in the Packers to pull this off, but it's tough and you have to respect the heck out of the 49ers here. You really do. So, um, I, I have, I have a little bit of cash on the Packers to win this game. Uh, I'm probably going to lose that money, but Hey, I believe I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I'm, I'm picking the Packers to win it. But for the record, the math says that the 49ers have to be favored anywhere from like two points to eight points. So, you know, the Vegas has a nine and a half point betting line. Uh, I think if you are wanting to lay some money on this, it makes sense to make a case to yourself that betting on the Packers to cover that nine and a half point spread seems like a good bet. Um, can they win it outright? Hey, uh, I, I think that the, the Packers believe they can, Yeah, they were counted out against the, the Cowboys. They're, they're too young to know that they're not good enough. So they don't know they're not good enough. And so they showed up and beat the tar out of Dallas and they seem pretty high on themselves right now. And I think that's a good thing. I, I, I really do. I don't think that's a negative. I think that in this situation, you really want confidence. I mean, look at, think back to, some of these past games, you know, freaking the 2019 team and the 2021 team, the offense just showed up like not believing in themselves. Like, I'm glad they're all gone. I mean, who's, who's still here on this offense from those teams? It's Elton Jenkins and Aaron Jones. And that's it. Everybody else is gone. And good riddance to them. You know, love those guys for who they were and for the good games. But, dude, I don't need you to show up for a big game and be like feeling sorry for yourself. Like, Oh, we can't do it. Screw that. Screw that. Go have fun with the jets or the bears or whoever. I'm out on that. Come on, show up excited. Believe in yourself. That matters a ton. And the 49ers, they respect what the Packers are right now. I mean, you hear what Fred Warner 
and Debo Samuel and Nick Bosa and Kyle Shanahan have been saying, they know the Packers are dangerous. They talk about, I think it was um, Fred Warner in particular. He was talking about the Dallas team and he's like, Dude, they made a mistake. The Dallas underestimated the Packers and they got their lip bust open for it. <laughs> so they are, they are not taking the Packers lightly. I think that the 49ers are confident. I think that they believe they can win. I don't think they think that they're scared of the Packers, but they certainly respect them a heck of a lot more than the Dallas Cowboys did. So, you know, I mean, the, the Cowboys game was fantastic, but the element of surprise is sort of out of the window now because now the Niners know that you can do that. And so they are going to prepare accordingly. That's all I got for you today. Uh, follow me on Twitter at JJLAHEY and uh, reach out. Love to chat Packers with you. Thanks for listening. Talk to you later. Bye bye.